start to put tension on my string drawback, I was like, okay, I'm gonna it. It's him. You can look at the horns when he's dead. I'm, I'm in, you know, in the zone. Let the arrow go is perfect. Uh, when they lose their front shoulders, yeah, you start, yeah, that's how you know. You're listening to the White Cat Outdoors podcast, bringing you to the table where we talk about the outdoors. Could we uh, just get a quick moment of silence for uh, all of the double digit podcast numbers? Because we're we're way beyond that. We're into triple digits. So let's just take a second. Beautiful. That's Thank great. you. We made it. We made it, guys. Episode 100. Nick and Tom are both here. We are. Gang's all here for episode 100. How could you miss it? You, you can't beat it. You really can't. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he, I don't even know what to say other than that. Like, we, we're here. Uh, and we kicked around the idea. You know, you guys... Did such a great job of sending in so many ideas, and we, we had, had a lot of irons in the fire on that one for episode 100, making it super special. But we figured what better way to make episode 100, you know, really, really special other than having one of our own kill a monster buck, biggest they've killed to date, and talking about it for episode 100. What can it, you think? It doesn't of, get better. No, it doesn't. It really, it really doesn't. doesn't. Really just getting it back to the roots of what we're all about, killing big bucks, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So, who who did it? I did. Well, we yeah, did. Who did? <laughs> Nick, why don't you tell the story? Yeah. So, this there's, all there's started about story. five years ago. <laughs> Start at the end and, you know, refer back to the beginning. <laughs> but no, I think this buck here, Tom, I, I do believe you should start your story about five years prior. Yeah. I think you should start there. To really um, bring everybody full circle with what this deer means to you and to us in general. Okay, so as you know, uh, the White Cat Outdoors headquarters was gifted to me and Nick by my father and uncle. Uh, it's been in this. We're the third generation owners. It was originally my grandpa's and his business partner, then my dad and uncle, and now me and my brother. So we've had the property for. I think, Six. well, okay, since 2019. Since 2019, so four years. Yeah. Um, a, a year or two before that, me and Nick and Frank started hunting it. And well, when we first started showing interest, you know, we were told by Frank's dad and our dad that, you know, there's really, there's not many deer up there. And if you do find deer, they're, you know, spikes, maybe a four corn if you're lucky and a lot of does, just because the, uh, the Canadian Longbeards have overrun the property. Trespassing was at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like this 116 acres was more or less public land. For yeah, it was free-for-all. 20 years before we started hunting it. I mean, like Nick said, trespassers, um, out the door, um, poaching, you name it, all that kind of good stuff because it was never monitored. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, And they knew owners were from out of town. So we started going up there. Dad told us, you know, you're wasting your time. You're not going to get a big buck up there. There's the bucks up there. If you see one, they're going to be small. And me, Nick, and Frank decided, you know what? 
We're not going to listen to any of it. Screw you. We're doing it. And we're going to do our best to make this 116 acres a prime spot to deer hunt. Putting in motion, I think we should call it Boontown. Boontown? Boontown. I like it. I think you got to wait till you kill a booner to call it Boontown. Any any big bucks a booner these days. That's true. People have kind of thrown <laughs> it the is actual a, it's a, it's score a loose by term. the wayside. <laughs> yeah. If it's, if it's over like 130, people are saying booner. Absolutely. So this one, it, it, it's not 130, so we'll call <laughs> can't it. can't call it a booner. It, Pope and Young. Yeah. It's a poper. Yeah, poper. Poper. It's a poper. <laughs> so the first couple years... Uh, I met a lot of relatives I didn't know I had yeah. the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. Oh yeah, you know my uncle from Gerard lets me hunt here. I'm like, oh really? Because it's actually my uncle and dad that own it. And <laughs> I don't have any cousins that are live you. around this area. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, definitely, definitely not your uncle from Gerard that owns this property. So we had a lot of that. Uh, actually, I had one guy. I was in my tree stand hunting, and it's like opening day, eight o'clock in the morning. And I see this guy come pushing through the beaver swamp that I'm hunting. Like, I'm right on the edge of this swamp bedding, and here comes a nice orange hat right through the middle of it, 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, that's that's dandy. So I climb down and go over talk to the guy. And I'm like, hey, what, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just putting a drive on for my buddy. I'm like, I'd appreciate it if you did a drive on your own property. Like, I'm right <laughs> over there trying to hunt. And he's like, oh, no, they, they moved the property lines a few years back. It's a thing they do often. I'm, I, I've never heard of anybody moving property lines. But luckily, I, I had actually, I had a map in my backpack with property lines on it. And I'm like, we're here. Here's the property line. See where there's that row of white stakes? That's the property line on the other side of it. <laughs> you're, you're 70 yards from the property line. So that was real nice. Uh, we found, I don't know how many gut piles in the heart of our property, like yeah. four or 500 yards from yep. any property line. Tree stands. Yeah, tree stands, you name it. Uh, so the first couple of years, we were just trying to build our presence up there, keep trespassers off, and we really didn't do a heck of a lot for deer management. Um, or seeing much for, I mean, we saw some deer, but like... Yeah, if you, our, saw, if you saw a buck, you shot it. Yeah, uh, basically how it was. Um, and I think we did that for a couple years. And then three years ago, we kind of decided, you know what, we're going to see, you know, if, if we can start producing bucks up here. Um, so we started doing food plots. Um, yeah, we've talked pretty extensively about all the different food plots yeah. that we've done. And-, and even when we just started with the food plots, we started right away getting pictures of better bucks. But by October... They had, like, moved out. We didn't see them anymore. So it was, like, a summertime property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So then we kind of got to thinking, okay, there's big bucks in the area. How do we keep them on the property? Fence. That's Yeah. (laughs) That's one way to do it. It's a preserve. Yeah. (laughs) So um, a couple years ago, we decided we had this big field. Uh, It's probably 15 acres. Roughly-ish. and it always got mowed for hay by one of the neighboring farmers that never had permission to take hay off this. It wasn't even hay. I don't know what. It was just he bedding. Was cutting. He was cutting. Yeah, it was cutting for bedding. Um, so we told him that. Cow bedding, not deer bedding, of course. We were uh, going to try and, you know, make this a good whitetail hunting property and asked him 
he could no longer mow our field. So we have one, two, three food plots, four now. Little, that, all little ones. Yeah, in that field. And the rest we have let grow up. Um, and what we let grow up, we've planted thousands of oak trees, pine, pine trees, trees, fruit bushes. Fruit bushes. Um, so now what was once a big open field, it's it's not prime bedding yet, um, but it is, it's definitely getting much thicker. Um, deer are bedding in it now. Um, we did that. Uh, we put in, me and Nick did, I don't know, probably a five acre. Yeah, roughly five acres. Hinge cut. Um, just made a thick, nasty mess of down trees and tops. With trails all through it now. We, mm-hmm. we found out later and closer to like August this year. Yeah, they're definitely utilizing that. Um, another thing we did was our prime beaver swamp bedding was getting overrun by beavers, um, which was turning the bedding into water ponds <laughs> making it duck bedding yeah <laughs> so took a bunch of beavers out in the trapping season which now we have it contained to three smaller ponds rather than one which enormous is productive pond. it helps yeah it push creates the deer. pinch points mm-hmm. and now there's gives a water source on the property yeah you, you definitely beavers are a great friend to a deer hunter definitely but you have to keep them in check yeah uh, you gotta let them know who's boss if you, yeah if you don't <laughs> keep them in check they'll turn your prime red brush swamp into a pond yeah so that kind of got overrun got the beavers in check now we have that bedding back um, and it's starting to look pretty prime now yeah all the while we built a cabin yeah yeah we did when we first started all this we, we had nowhere to stay we do our morning hunt go back to the truck sit there till noon when the french creek tavern would open <laughs> drive down there get a what the is it, it's, it's a club sandwich. Club sandwich and a Pepsi, Pepsi on, the on the rocks. And because we, yeah, we weren't, <laughs> we weren't 21 even 21 at the time. Yeah. I think Frank was the only one that was not when right we away. First started, I wasn't 21. No. I was 16, and I'm so 27 was, now. So Frank was like 19 when we first started going. I was 16. Yeah. yeah, so we'd hunt till 10, sit in the truck till noon, go down to the tavern, <laughs> drive back up to camp. Always put Splenda in somebody's straw if they went to the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> classic joke. So now. You've you've heard the episode where we built the cabin. That's the headquarters. Yep. Now we hunt till ten or so. Still, go back up to the cabin. Cup of soup, maybe. Cup of soup. Yeah. Tom's got coffee percolating. It's all good. Yeah. And I'd say for the past, like I said, three years, we've kind of been okay. Now we're gonna try and see. Now that we got our food plots. We got bedding. We're gonna see if we can't produce some better quality deer yeah. quit shooting the first spike that runs by yeah so we we started in wait for the night. second spike yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't give them too many chances to walk by because <laughs> then they get stupid i just it was kind of my green card yeah anyways so started you know we got more into the cameras we we always put one or two up but i think this year we have six up there mm-hmm. um and year after year We've been getting better bucks and more bucks and bucks hanging around. This year, I would say this year was the first year we were getting daylight photos of bucks in October, November. Definitely November. Like, Like we've never, maybe October. Second week of archery, it's always dead. And then, you know, it would be, like you said, dead. And then you would catch the random buck running through during rifle. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the first year we had like legitimate chasing and bucks being seen daily in November. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. So 
this year we had kind of put together a hit list. We had three like nice bucks, mm-hmm. um, and then a handful of those you know two and a half year old eight points, sixteen inches wide, mm-hmm. and a bunch of spikes, four points, pile of dough. Uh, we actually have quite the deer population up there now, which is nice. I think what opening night you saw like eleven or twelve deer. Yeah, I saw a lot. So in just a couple hours in the evening. Yeah. So in just a few short years, we've turned this property from, you know, a four point being a nice spot. If you could get a basket six, like a yearling oh, six, that was king shit. Yeah. So now we pass those up. And uh, Saturday morning, I smoked my best buck to date up there. So yeah. that was a lot of hard work. All of a story. A lot Thanks, of time. Tom. Let's wrap it up here. <laughs> yeah. A lot of hard work, a lot of time. Uh, but it's, I'm glad to see that our efforts are finally starting to pay off. Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, Nick, buck. you weren't there, so why don't you ask? Okay, <clears throat> let's start off. Um, Friday night, you guys, you know, typical cabin rituals and stuff. Um, we won't we won't get into details. So, where where did you hunt Saturday morning? So, about six <laughs> six years ago, when. We started hunting this property. There was an old ladder stand put up by my uncle. Um, that when we start, he hasn't it hunted. Had been it. there for years. Yeah. When we started. Yeah, he was long since not hunting the property when we started. Um, so Nick took this ladder over in morning sit, evening sit, morning sit, evening sit. Nick was in his ladder, and he was in that ladder for up I would until say last year ninety percent of the time. Uh, yeah, last and I've, I was only in it once this year, and I think tw- two or three, maybe three max last year. Yeah, you weren't in it a lot last year. So it was the last two years. Nick finally vacated that stand and said, "That's ah, junk." I wouldn't and say junk. I just you put up two other stands not far away because that one just wasn't it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Three within a hundred yards. Yeah. Man, two of them are within 100 yards <laughs> one of them maybe, maybe 125 yeah <laughs> so but two of them are food sources that i put in yeah we put in oh, oh we're going to throw lots of we's around here so me and frank were up at the cabin uh drive down to the old french creek tavern for just one we actually did we were good we just had one don't and, believe it no seriously Tom had more than one. No, I did not. Not at the French Creek Tavern. <laughs> I absolutely did not. <laughs> Frank wouldn't let me. He wanted to get home back to the cabin. I think that he might be telling the truth. I, I know he was buzzed though. Yeah, yeah. What you I, drink at the cabin beers don't count towards your score. No, they count towards the buzz, but not. You don't count them. They just yeah. count. So, like I said, we had one at the tavern. We, we know Tom's never been good at math. <laughs> Drove back to Shooters and. I, I did have several more that <laughs> evening before bed. And uh wasn't sure where I wanted to hunt in the morning. Woke up early, um, about 5 o'clock to get the coffee rolling. Slight headache. Yeah, a little bit hungover. I uh, think it's the carbon monoxide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't as uh, spry and chipper as I normally am. <laughs> uh, not much ambition to take my mobile setup and find a tree to climb or even sit in a lock on for that matter just keeping it easy just wanted something nice and comfortable where i could just hunker down and 
you know, have a, have a comfortable hunt. So I decide what other better spot than Nick's ladder. It's easy I don't know, right off the trail, hundred yards from the road, maybe. If that, yeah, it's not far. It's basically <clears throat> there's an old gas well in the woods, so there's a really nice trail to follow in. Um, it's one of the main reasons I I do like that stand is because it's so um, non non-invasive. That's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, non-invasive. You can easily sneak in and out without really disrupting much at all. Yeah, I mean it's thirty. You can shoot the trail you walk in on. The trail's thirty yards, so it's you walk beautiful old logging road, cut off towards the end thirty yards. You're in a nice ladder, ready to go. So I've only hunted this stand a couple times and every time I can't find it. It's, it's always further down the trail than I remember. So I'm walking and I'm like, all right, this is where I would normally cut in. So I walk a little bit further and then, and then cut in. I'm like, I'm going to be right on it. Still didn't walk down for, far enough. So I'm <laughs> walking around with my headlamp trying to find this ladder and turkeys fly out of the roost everywhere. There's like four of them roosted right along, right by that tree. You know all them big beech trees? No, not familiar. <laughs> yeah. All the, the big beech trees right around that stand. Turkeys flew out of every single No, I, I actually never look behind me. You know, always looking forward. Yeah. Well, typically they roost on the hillside. I don't know what they were doing roosting down on the bottom. Colder temperatures move them down the hill, of course. Happens They're in the mountains like with fish. mule deer. Yeah. Makes sense. I didn't You know, as the elk, way. you know, like when the... As it gets colder and the vegetation line moves farther down the mountain, turkeys do the same thing. As as it gets really cold, your vegetation line moves down. Birds just roost lower down on the hill. <laughs> it's odd that you say that because as first light comes around, like a dozen turkeys fly down from the hillside where they normally do. Yeah, but those ones probably roost higher up on the hill typically. <laughs> so they did move down, just not Thank you for far. this wonderful insight. Yeah. Pro so, tip. So I'm walking through, and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm in the middle of some action. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that I don't know how to put this without sounding stupid. <laughs> Probably uh, sounds stupid, that's why. <laughs> if, if you're in the middle of, like, wildlife, you're going to have a productive hunt. Like it I've seems- always said that, yeah, if, if squirrels are moving, deer are moving. If birds are chirping, deer are moving. Like, it, it does, there's correlation there. Yeah. yeah, so I had turkeys all around me. I squirrels everywhere i'm like i got a lot of stuff going on unless you kill at first light very rarely do you not see any sort of wildlife and then the single buck that you wanted you end up shooting is the first thing you see Mm -hmm. like i said unless it's first light but typically if you the day you kill at least in my experience usually see a lot of shit yeah i can second that Mm -hmm. most times there is the rare case where yeah you don't see anything, and then last light. You know, yeah, coyote kicks something up. You never know. But, I mean, it's in, in general, I do believe that deer are kind of, in all wildlife, are on the same wavelength when it comes to movement and activity. Yeah. So I'm seeing turkeys. Ooh. I'm seeing squirrels. Um, birds are chirping, flying around everywhere. Stuff's happening. I'm like, all right, this is, this is going to be perfect. So about 20 minutes after first light, actually, let me backtrack just a bit paint a picture so there's this big goldenrod field behind me right smack in the middle there's me in the tree stand that is nicks and then snap a straight line 
there's another little hidden goldenrod field that we now have a food plot in. So I'm right in the middle of these two fields. And you create it creates a little bit of a pinch between the two food sources. A little, I mean, a very rough pinch, but yeah. you've got a creek it's bed. More, it's more. I was gonna say it's more of a pinch because of the creek. Yeah, you're probably right because the pinch has always been there. That's mm-hmm. why that stand's been productive. Yeah. Um, you get basically. It, and, it, and after that trail, it really drops down before it goes yeah, out to our other field. Yeah, you a steep terrain change on the creek and then a steep terrain change on the other side between the two fields. Yeah. So it's a little high point there that's easy traveling between the yeah. two. So it actually let me backtrack to the night before. Tom, where, you are the worst at telling stories. I, knew I started with that, go from the beginning. And well, back to I, the end. I keep forgetting details that I'd like to bring up. So the night before, as I mentioned... I was a little bit buzzed, and when I when I do so, get buzzed. I, I like to tell Frank and Nick that yeah, I might shoot a spike tomorrow. I might shoot a doe tomorrow, and I that is true. He does say that. Yeah, and the night before, I was telling Frank, yeah, I might shoot a spike, and he's like, no, you won't. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm serious. I I think I will. So, I, I think I'll yeah, I will the pace that he <laughs> rode this evening. It's your prerogative, sir. So. Like I said, a couple, 20 minutes after first light, I hear some crashing in the big goldenrod field behind me. And this spike comes running out, and he goes like right underneath me, stops 15 yards, broadside, head turns, looking the other way. And I'm like, oh, I could smoke you right now. (laughs) Which, it's legal in New York. There's no antler restriction. So I'm thinking to myself, do I want to do this? And... My bow was on the hook, but my hand was on my bow. And I decide, you know what? If you got to think about it, you probably it. probably shouldn't. So I, I release the bow, keep her up on the hook, and watch him walk off. And I was thinking to myself, you know, it's kind of weird that I heard some crashing, and then one spike comes running out. I'm like, I kind of was thinking he would have been chasing a doe. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the case. I don't know. At this time, didn't know what spooked him. So that happens about 20 minutes later. From the same trail I walk in, here comes this. It, it was a bigger buck. It wasn't a big buck, but he had an actual basket to him. He was either a six or an eight. I don't know if he had brow tines. But he's walking right down the trail. He's going to, if he keeps coming, he's going to, come into my opening at 30 yards on this trail and he stops at like 70 yards and he's not anywhere close to my scent cone but he gets downwind of where i heard that initial crashing going on and i'm like he stops and puts his nose up and i'm like what's he i know he's not smelling me and i get to thinking maybe there's a big buck up in that goldenrod Mm -hmm. field that kicked the spike out and now this smaller buck is smelling something caught the scent of a lesser stag yeah and he he didn't like it because he kind of tucked his tail and he didn't run he didn't spook he just changed direction and said i'm not not feeling this so then i get to thinking in my head okay i'm painting the picture now i'm i'm certain there's a big buck up there oh yeah so i'm like i I gotta get him out of here i gotta entice him to come see me so I break out my secret Who's? sequence. My secret oh, sequence. Oh, your se- Okay, I'll, let me interrupt the you. The sequence belongs to him. Yeah, but. this is my sequence. And 
I'll tell you guys this sequence because I want you to shoot big bucks too. That's just the kind of guy I am. Such a great guy, Tom. So I like to start off with a series of doe bleats. And I wasn't thinking, should have brought the call so I could show you guys, but maybe I'll make a video. It's a, it's a game changer. Leave it in the comments if you want a video or not. Yes, please. If I get five comments, <laughs> I'll make a video. One screenshot and I'll jump. <laughs> so start off with a series of doe bleats. Wait five minutes or so. And then I like to do a trailing grunt, which is, you know, meh, 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 like bucks chasing a doe. Yeah. So now, now. What grunt tube did you say you use? I was using uh, an extinguisher grunt tube. Whose extinguisher grunt tube? It's mine, but it was given to me by, actually, I don't know if it was given to me. I took it from you because <laughs> you had two of them. I lost mine. It's in Tom's possession now. Yeah. How it got there, who knows? Yeah, that, that'll all come out in the wash. No, I had an extinguisher. I got Nick to get one because I was in love with this. So gun. good, I bought two. Yeah, Nick bought. No, <laughs> no I, think I, I, I think two people got it for me for Christmas. Yeah, you put it on your Christmas list, and then Grandpa gave you his old grunt tube instead. So I was like, well, I'm going to. So Nick puts it on his Christmas list, and Grandpa's like, at that exact time, well, I have this grunt tube. Why don't you just have this one? So Nick's like, all right, thanks. thanks. So I was like, well, Nick wanted the extinguisher. I'll get it for him for Christmas. So I get him the extinguisher for Christmas. Then my grandpa also got him the extinguisher for Christmas. <laughs> so now Nick had two of them. I had one. Frank, you have one, correct? Lost it. Lost, yeah. Well, so mine broke. So if only Nick still had two, I could steal one. Yeah. Well, mine broke. Nick had two of them. I'm like, well, I did buy one of them. So... <laughs> Nick. It only makes sense that you just take it back. Yeah, Nick already had one. Was the the one that I actually bought for him was still in the box. Like No, it's not. You the one you bought's the one I use. Oh, well, you still had one in the box. <laughs> Why would I take them out of the box? No, no. So I opened that bad boy right up. Well, I didn't try just and hide it. Item. Yeah, I didn't try and hide it. And I was like, "Hey Nick, I'm taking this grunt tube." And like, okay. So it is his, but I've been using it in facto. I'm your boss. <laughs> So that's that's the story of the grunt tube. Like I said, a couple trailing grunts. And that lets the big buck in the area know, okay, there's a doe down there and someone else is moving in on my action. Typically, that'll bring them right in. But it didn't. Didn't this time. So I had to break out the further steps of this sequence. So now what I do is... I go into a challenge grunt, you know, like a real low, deep, long six or seven, seven, mm -hmm. six or seven seconds. And then I throw in a couple snort wheezes, maybe one more challenge grunt. Let them know, okay, now that buck that was chasing the doe, he's down there and he smells another buck. Like I, I got to get down there and kick some ass. Mm -hmm. And that works almost every time. It does. But, I've, used, I've used that trick many a time. But it didn't work this time. So I'm like, oh, man, really got to get creative. So then I break out the rattling bag. And I start, you know, and when I rattle, I'm not quiet about it. I'm kicking trees and raking branches. Got to paint the picture. Yeah, making a very loud disturbance. And that gives them the illusion, okay, now there's two bucks down there with my doe. And I got I to gotta get down there ASAP. 
And that didn't work either. So now I'm like starting to think he's not over there. Yeah. So now I'm wondering, you know, what the heck's going on? So a couple of minutes later, I decide, you know what? I'm going to just do a couple more doe bleats. And that's going to make the big buck think, okay, those other bucks are gone. I'm going to move back in, get back with this doe. So that's what I do. A few more doe bleats. And it wasn't five minutes after that. And I have no idea. I, I don't think how the whole situation panned out. It had a whole lot to do with my calling sequence. I don't think so. Because I'm just going to interrupt you right here. Because I think this is where I come into play on this deer. Yes. So I was hunting the other side of the property where I normally do. And uh, real slow morning. I had one doe at first light come out. And uh, I, I shouldn't say first light. It was a little after first light. But um, she comes out and into the food plot. And I'm like, yeah, not going to shoot her. And she walks out and gets right downwind of me and throws her head up in the air. And as soon as she put her head up, I grabbed my bow. I was like, okay, go ahead and snort and you're dead. Please and, blow at me. Yeah, Make I, my day. I was begging her, but she didn't do it. So she, she lived. Um, yeah, slow morning. I didn't see anything else after that. So I climbed down and uh, I'm walking down the road back up to the cabin and like tom was saying before that stand he's in isn't too far off the road maybe like 100 yards and i get kind of in line with him just like a little bit past him up closer to the cabin and he was talking about the hill that you can see where the turkeys normally roost and i hear a real loud crash up there i'm like what the hell is that and i look over and from the top of the hill i can see way farther than they would have ever heard tom's sequence um i don't know <laughs> to say but uh i see these deer come running down the hill and i couldn't really tell what they were they're about as far as i could see them into the woods uh so there i see three of them come rushing down the hill and the last place i see them was i was guessing to be about 80 yards from where tom was at i could almost see tom i could see the deer and i'm like oh man these things are gonna end up right on them like they're it, they're gonna be right in his lap so I stood there for a second, lost sight of him, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to head back up to the cabin. And that's what I'll, I'll let you take over from there, T. So that same crash Frank heard? I, I think it was me, honestly. I probably got him up and going. Even though they were about 300 yards from me, I think it was my presence that got him going. Probably. So I, I heard the same crash, and I'm like, all right, we, we got some action. And it wasn't like five seconds later, this doe comes barreling right past me like six yards and she's hauling the mail and i hear burp, 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 right on her tail and then here comes this spike and he comes barreling right past me then i'm like oh that must have been what all the ruckus was mm -hmm. and then from behind me where those deer were i hear some more burp, burp, and i look over and there's that big boy coming down the hill hot hot and he gets down to the bottom of the hill and instead of following the same trail those first two deer followed, he decided... And they you know went what? right by you. They went right by me um, and then headed towards the hidden little goldenrod field in front of me. Mm -hmm. He gets down to the bottom of the hill and thinks, you know what? Instead of following that trail, I'm just going to cut him off, meet him right at the field. And I would have had no shot. It would have been 70, 80 yards. And he starts going that way, and I'm like, oh, no, i got to change direction break out the old mind you my bow's still up on the hook and break out the old grunt tube. how far I, is he from you at this point 70 80 yards okay so i break out the old extinguisher and give one doesn't he turn on a dime and come hauling 
right to me. I'm like, oh, crap, i got to grab my bow now. <laughs> so I grab my bow off the hook. By the time I have my bow off the hook and in my hand, now this deer's at like 20 yards, still moving. I'm like, okay, good, didn't see me. So no cover in this stand. I'm like, well, now or never, draw back on him. And now he's like 10 yards. And I give him three maps trying to stop him. And what does he hot, need the map for? Huh? No, that's the noise I make. To, but when they're hot like that, they don't like to stop. Sometimes yeah. it takes a real scream to get yeah. them to go. And my, what do you want? It takes damn near an atlas. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good joke. That was a great joke. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, that, that joke's going to be so underappreciated. <laughs> I appreciate it. That is a great joke. That is comedy gold right there. So, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, episode 100, folks. <laughs> sorry, Tom. No. Continue your story. Keep going. So my... I'm sorry. I wasn't going to laugh this hard at it, but once you start laughing, it just compounds. It's like a snowball effect. Yeah, yeah. It just keeps going. That was a good joke. Comedy gold. Jeff Foxworthy will be calling me for that one. Oh, God. Go ahead, Tom. Finish your story. So my third final and loudest noise i make <laughs> you can't even say it now finally stops him and he's at like seven yards looking right at I me i think next time I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry next time i stop a deer i'm gonna yell atlas that's not a bad idea just get it right out of the way first thing he'll probably stop dead in his he probably will <laughs> now seven yards stopped looking at me and in my mind real quick i think okay he's literally right underneath me i'm in a 15 foot ladder Probably should aim high because it's, you know, tough shot angle. Yeah. So I put the pin on him, touch off the release, watch the arrow go in behind the front shoulder. Couldn't really tell if I was high or low. Um, and I'm like I said, I used Luminox. I could see my arrow sticking in the ground and the deer's taken off. Didn't mule kick, nothing. Just took off like a rocket. And... I watch him, he kind of runs right along the edge of the woods where the woods turns into that goldenrod field. And he's running parallel right with the edge, and he gets to the top, and he's not looking like he's doing real well, and then I lose sight of him. And about five seconds later, I hear what I think's a crash, but there's still that spike chasing the doe in that area. So I'm like, did he go down? Was that just a crash from them running around? Running around? I don't know. So climb down look at my arrow and there's white hair everywhere i'm like oh that's son of a gun not that's like. not what you want to see uh, just to clarify this wasn't an albino deer you shot no okay <laughs> not albino so white so the white hair, hair does it's um, not a good sign it infers that it could be close to the belly yeah i'm thinking okay. i didn't hit high enough and i came out the brisket area and may have only got one lung I'm like, man, I knew I held the pin high, but you start second-guessing everything. Mm -hmm. Arrow covered in blood, covered in white hair, um, and I didn't have, like, that bright pink bubbly blood that you like to see. Yeah. um, Like the lung blood. Mm -hmm. So now I'm really starting to wonder. It was more of like a dark brownish. kind of dark. Kind of gritty-looking blood. Now I'm thinking maybe liver. I don't know. So... I stop right there, go right back to the cabin, pull in, 
see Frank standing on the front porch. Yeah, oh. I had literally just gotten back. I walked in, put a log on the fire, turned around to go bring some more wood inside, and Tom's pulling in. I was like, well, he either saw those deer that I saw and shot one, or he just pieced out right before they got there because it was like almost Where did you park? Um, kind behind of, the round bales. Okay. Yeah. So I... That, that literally means nothing to the listeners. That's just for my, uh, my own brain. Yeah. So I get back to camp, open up the door, and Frank's like, how'd it go? I'm like, just shot a good buck. And he's like, oh, man, that's awesome. And he knew I was serious this time because... He was I, missing an arrow. I was missing an arrow. So I tell Frank, I said, all I know about this buck is he's tall and he's narrow. And, he's, and I was thinking maybe it's one of the big ones we got on camera. Wasn't sure. Um, so tell Frank the scenario, what happens. He's like, dude, that's crazy. I heard those three deer and saw him come crashing down the hill. Thought they'd end up right in your lap. I'm like, he did end up seven yards. Right in the lap. So tell Frank, you know, the whole story. And uh, we give it, we give it what, an hour? Yeah, just over an hour. Yep, go back to uh, scene of the crime, show Frank my arrow, all the white hair, not a drop of blood. Yeah, and we had some tracks in the where he kicked up the leaves, and we had just a little bit of snow, and we didn't see a thing. You know, no. we're, and there like, wasn't enough snow to like follow tracks in it. It was like a dusting here and there. There was a lot of gaps in it, but there was a lot of kicked up leaves, and we followed that. For like 30, 40 yards. Nothing. And... Then we lost the kicked up leaves trail and still no blood. I'm like, oh, God, this sucks. And now you're really starting to second guess yourself. And so I tell Frank, I said, well, I seen him kind of skirt the edge of this field. Um, He got to the tip, wasn't looking real good, lost sight of him. And I thought I heard some crashing, but I'm not sure. I said, let's just walk through the middle of this field so we're not disturbing anything. I'll just peek out to where I last saw him and... Just see what see, we see. See what we can see. So maybe try to pick up his track or something. Yeah. So we do exactly that. I get to the tip of the field and I'm like, there he is. Yeah, right we there. didn't even leave the food plot and he was laying just off of it. It was literally like right where you had last seen yeah. him, he was done. Yeah. From where I last seen him, he couldn't have gone another ten yards. Yeah. And he's all piled up right there. Get up to him. And he was exactly what I told Frank. Really tall. Pretty tight. Really tight. Uh, best buck to date. Um, it was funny. Tom, like, grabs a hold of him. He's looking at him. And, uh, you know, he's just, you know, admiring the deer. You know, he's excited we found it. He, you know, all of his worries of, you know, being low or whatever were gone. He was just excited. And I was like, oh, because he already shot a nine point in PA. I was like, oh, you got yourself another nine point. He's like, what? And rolls it over. He's like, huh, it is a nine point. He had it in his hand and didn't even realize it was a nine point. That was the adrenaline. Yeah. But uh, back to the shot placement, uh, I had hit damn near perfect. Yeah, I mean, it I was, was money. Came in the top of the lung, smoked the first lung, um, clipped the second lung, actually just nicked the liver. Just barely nicked the liver. And uh, went through the diaphragm and caught just the front edge of the intestines. Yeah. So, I mean, he was. Smoke, double lung, liver. Yeah. Um, see the deer laying there, and there is just a monster blood trail mm-hmm. going from... Like blood everywhere. Yeah. So we follow the blood trail back just to see what, what the heck happened. And it was a very steady blood trail. 
but it did not start until 70 yards from where I hit him. Mm -hmm. So you guys pretty much gave up on him, you know, maybe just, what, 15, 20 yards too short? Yeah, well, we lost. Well, we, we I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm just we, saying, we like, had you, like, just kept in that direction in 20 yards or so, you probably would have picked yeah. up blood. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, that's all. I was just trying to paint the picture here. Just because mm-hmm. we didn't have blood mm-hmm. for 40, 50 yards. And then and we that. lost his track. So we were like, well, he could have gone here, there. But Tom had a pretty good idea where he went. So and we I didn't like, want to follow that exact trail. Not knowing, what yeah, not knowing what was going on, so I wanted to stay off the trail, go through the goldenrod field where I'm not going to disturb anything, and pick him up and, a little later. Yeah. So, but he only he went just over a hundred yards, you know, not much more. Yep. And I'm assuming that crashing I heard was him. Yeah. Because there was could have been anything. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear a small crunch? <laughs> that could have been anything. So then I. Uh, pull out the classic cell phone and send a very quick, blurry, terrible video to Nick <laughs> of the deer laying there. And I think I held it on the rack for a half a second. Not either. I think that. the entire video was a half a second long. It was great. It, it was classic. So that's all fine and dandy. Phone starts blowing up. Oh, did you shoot a buck? You shot a buck. Who was it? You or Frank? And like, oh, it was me. And then I sent him a real good picture of it. Of, <laughs> you could just barely see the one G2 in it and it was you know, just his body. And then he got pissed and started making phone calls. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm 90% certain this is the biggest buck taken. Acting like 99%. Well, we have certain. a rough score. Frank has a rough score. And yours, and, is, bigger. And yours is bigger by about seven inches. Yeah. yeah. So I think as of now, I'm crowned king of the Queen. cabin king of the cabin yep that's the biggest one at the cabin but i tell you what i was telling nick my intuitions are typically correct like my intuition to hunt his ladder stand mm-hmm. it's a good one yeah. uh i don't think my record is going to stand through opening day of gun i really don't i hope it doesn't not to take anything away from you but i hope i it mean doesn't. to take everything from you <laughs> I... <laughs> well, it's just a gut feeling i have i told nick the other day that's what I think is going to happen, and I'd be tickled pink if it did, honestly. That would be nice. It's it's really something cool to see our progress and mm-hmm. work paying off up there. Yeah, definitely. Getting bigger deer and actually holding them sticking around the area. Yeah, it's been pretty sweet to see. A lot of work, but it's paying off. Definitely paying off. What? Yeah, that... <laughs> I was just going to say thanks for, you know, bringing in such a special episode 100 for us. Um, I will mark it out there. Frank has still not contributed to the Deer Camp series. You see, we were talking about this after. Oh, here we go. After last week, me and Tom were talking. Actually, I think we were up at the cabin, and I contributed two bucks last year. Tom contributed two bucks this year. So you need to contribute two bucks next year. And if you don't, then you're I off the podcast. I also contributed to Doe You don't even know year. how to hit record on this computer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep you on the computer. We'll just take your mic away. No mic. <laughs> you just and have to yell if you want to be Just on. so you know, uh, where Nick is going opening day, this is the spot I picked out for him, just to make that clear. It was a group effort. No, no. Frank, sure was there. Wasn't. Frank was there. Nick said, Tom, you got the good luck. You're telling me where I'm hunting tonight. That's true. That yeah, but then happen. he kept asking me questions. No. You're he you. asked you what you wanted to shoot. You want to shoot a doe or no, a big I'm buck? No, I'm saying when we went down in the woods, he said that we ended up, you said you wanted to sit 
right on the edge of the field where the deer come out. And we were at least 80 yards off that spot because, yeah, because I decided I wanted to go down. You decided to give old... me free range to pick where I wanted no, to go. <laughs> I wanted to be down by the old fence row. And that's where we ended up. And Nick goes, you know, this is a good rifle spot. And I hunt there opening day. He's like, I think I'm going to. And I'll then I'm there. giving him the, the climber he's going to take in there. So whatever you kill is basically mine. Hey, you want me gear. to sight your rifle in for you too? Yeah, wouldn't you, please? <laughs> I actually have to do that. Right yeah, that's yeah, tomorrow's I, I, project yep, at lunch. I definitely got to do that too. At lunch? Yeah, that's I get an hour lunch and I just drive home because it's like two minutes. That's nice. Yeah, it is pretty cool. I should bring mine to the college and start winging rounds around the college. That's not a bad idea. Wouldn't, wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Could be fun. So... You have any uh, special remarks to leave episode 100, Tom, with your biggest buck to date or two state Tommy? You're learning to be called. Tommy. Yeah, uh, take that calling sequence I told you guys. Write it down. Roll it up real tight. <laughs> Put it in your back pocket. <laughs> Save it for a rainy day. Or every day. Yeah, every day you want to kill a big. Yeah, buck. I tell you what. When I'm in the woods, I don't shut up, especially during the rut. I'm calling constantly. And well, it, apparently it pays off. Yeah. I don't think it's ever going to hurt you. And another it thing. No. <laughs> not the way. Not if you follow my Not if you do it right. <laughs> uh, one thing I have been doing is, you know, people, when they break out their grunt tube, they do a sequence that sounds natural to them. Yeah. But it might not be natural to a whitetail. Uh, just because it sounds good to you doesn't mean it means shit to a deer. Yeah. Um, so what I started doing instead of doing what sounds good to me is I've been watching videos of bucks making vocalizations in the woods and I try and mimic that rather than what I think sounds pleasing. Mm -hmm. And I do the same thing with turkey hunting as well. If I hear a hen calling in the woods, I try and mimic that sound rather than what I think sounds good. Mm -hmm. So you're calling deer now, not just deer calling. Yeah. Not yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> thank you. All right, well, uh, thank you everybody for the first one hundred, and I guess here's to a hundred more. Yeah, we're definitely. That, then there's gonna be another hundred after that. So yeah. if you miss the next hundred, we'll hit pick, you on the yeah, way we'll, back. We'll pick you up at three hundred. <laughs> so, so with that said, um, archer season is pretty much to a close Winding at this down. point. Yeah, we only got um, a few more days in PA, but rifles right around the corner. So make sure you guys are all still getting outside.